Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the All32 podcast. Who are we? We're just a bunch of regular NFL fans from across the UK. All32 is primarily a blog full of written content by the fan, for the fan, because the fan knows best. Before the podcast this week, I'd like to be a little bit cheeky and ask if you enjoy the podcast to share it across social media and with your friends. It would be much appreciated as well if you give us a review on iTunes. So today I am joined by my co-hosts, Lee and Sean. Lee, how are you? And are you looking forward to the weekend ahead? I am well and definitely looking forward to the weekend ahead. This is, is such a great, great Sunday night of football every year. you know. And then we've got that sort of lull of two weeks before the Super Bowl. We're definitely looking forward to this weekend. That definitely. Sean, how about yourself? Yeah, I concur with what Lee's just said there, mate. I'm personally really well, thank you, mate. Um, really looking forward to the games this weekend. I think, as we said in our earlier podcast this week, we have probably got the four best teams and, and certainly two mouth-watering matchups to look forward to. So, fingers crossed the guys deliver out on the field. Should be a good weekend of action, mate. So, looking forward to it. That should be good. So, we're going to do things a bit different this week. Uh, Lee and Sean are going to preview the AFC Championship game and then I am going to be previewing the NFC Championship game with James from the UK Saints podcast and Saints UK Hub. So, Sean, I'm going to hand it over to you and Lee. Tell us all about the Patriots at the Chiefs. All right, thanks, mate. So, um, as I said, I said in my um, intro there, a real mouth-watering matchup ahead on Sunday evening. Um the red hot thing in the NFL with his Patrick Mahomes up against, do we even say arguably the greatest of all time anymore? Or do we just concede that he is the greatest of all time in Tom Brady? Uh, that's a different debate for a different podcast. Lee's uh, nodding his head in agreement. I can see already. Um, <laughs> brilliant matchup. Um, obviously the game was played earlier in the season, but it was played in new England and it was a shootout. Um, Ultimately, the Chiefs ended up um, on the wrong end of that one, 43-40, I believe it was, um, with a game-winning field goal, um, not giving the Chiefs any time to respond. Uh, obviously, this time it is being played at Arrowhead, um, which is a huge advantage. We discussed that on our earlier podcast in the week, just how good a advantage being at home potentially is. Um, however... Will that advantage potentially be cancelled out by the weather? That's certainly the hot topic that's been discussed quite a lot in the States. It's expected to be um, Arctic-like conditions. Um, so, you know, that potentially is always a bit of a leveller. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how both teams uh, respond to it. Uh, Lee, you obviously get the pleasure of watching the Patriots at least twice a year when they play your Dolphins, mate, and obviously they're going to be a team that gets a lot of media coverage and attention. Um, I was convinced last week it was going to come crumbling down. I thought the Chargers would go in there and do it. Um, and as I said earlier in the week, what a performance it was from the Patriots. I'm sort of trending towards picking the Patriots for this game just based on how impressed I was last week. What's your thoughts on it in terms of you know New England's approach in particular, and then we'll talk about the Chiefs in a bit more detail in a bit. I completely agree with pretty much everything you've just said. The um, 
it hurts, but the Patriots were awesome last week. I mean, that's if if you don't like watching that performance, then you're probably watching the wrong sport at this stage. Um, no, no one game plans with a week off quite like Bill Belichick. That's why their Super Bowl performances are, for the most part, superb. That's why when they play after the bye week, they are superb. And they they have the, the ability to morph into whatever you don't want to see coming into your building. And I think I would, I'm actually would, I am going to pick the, the Patriots in this game, but they're, they're Achilles heel. And you mentioned it in your article earlier in the week is their road is them playing on the road, especially in the playoffs. Um, and Kansas City is a horrible place to go. The last time the Patriots didn't have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, they got knocked out at this stage by the Denver Broncos, who went on to win the Super Bowl. So I think that's where Kansas City are have the advantage and need to make it pay. The only problem is it's also cold in New England, so it's not as big an advantage as last week when the when the indoor playing Colts came to town. No, I completely agree, mate. And, and just for, you know, again, new people into the game, um, the last time the Patriots won the AFC total game on the road was all the way back in 2005. So that just goes to show how much of an advantage the Chiefs have got of being at home. Uh, one thing that is certainly in the Patriots' favour this week is the experience factor. Obviously, Tom Brady himself um, has been to countless of these games now. Um, the Patriots have won, um, is it eight in a row now? Um, this is the eighth championship game in a row. Obviously, Bill Belichick's been here and done that. Um, we'll start to have a little look at the Chiefs roster. They've obviously got some fabulous talents on there. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. We've obviously talked about Patrick Mahomes on the offensive side of the ball. Um, got some good pass rush last week as well in the win over the Colts. D Ford, Chris Jones had big games. Um, but for all of those Chiefs I've mentioned, it's their first playoff game. So how much of a factor do you think that will be, Lee, in terms of the inexperience at this stage of the season? I think Bill Belichick is absolutely watering at the mouth for this. This is where he excels, is taking on, on players playing for their first time, whether it be rookie QBs in the season, first-time head coaches, he tends to take these players to town because he can morph that New England team into whatever they need to be. They need to go in there and run the ball. They will do it, and they'll do it successfully like we saw at the weekend, in the, in the the especially in the first half. And if they need to go in there and pass the ball all over the field, they're going to do that too. So that that makes it very difficult to scheme to play against them especially when I think a team like Kansas City, we know how they need to play. Patrick Mahomes needs to play his best football for the, for them to advance. Whereas I think New England will know after the first first quarter what sort of game they intend to play, but they're the masters of morphing into anything they need to be to, to get the job done. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I talked about the earlier matchup in the season being a bit of a shootout. Obviously, you know, I've alluded to the conditions being different. Um, one thing that Belichick and the Patriots always get credit for is taking away the t- the opposition's best strength offensively, and obviously there you know you talk there about how offensively the Patriots don't necessarily have a style; they can do whatever they need to. We saw them run the ball very successfully last week, but we obviously know that Brady can spread the ball around if he needs to. Just in terms of that defensive scheme, though. Um, which part of this of this Chiefs offense do you try and shut down? Um, you know, Damian Williams has come in. Obviously, he was with your Dolphins 
um, last year and has done a good job, I would say, over the last few weeks in relief of, well, saying relief, obviously, the, the situation with Kareem Hunt, where obviously the, the Chiefs now have, have moved on at running back. Williams seems to have been playing well. Kelsey is obviously a beast underneath, and if the Patriots play too much zone, you would think he'd have success. And obviously Tyreek Hill essentially means that you've got to keep two safeties back deep because he's he's certainly the quickest player, I would say, in the NFL, certainly to, to my naked eye. So which which sort of those weapons to the Chiefs do you think has the biggest day if they are to go on and win this game, Lou? I think if they go on to win this game, I think it really does solely rest on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes because I think if they decide to take... Tyreek Hill away. He needs to abuse Kelsey and throw it to him as often as possible. You know, he needs to use whichever best player is left over. And if that's Damien Williams, so be it. Because, I mean, he can run the ball. We saw that last week. He's also great at catching the ball out of the backfield. He is quite dynamic in that. He may not be the, the big flashy name, but he's the sort of guy who will keep these drives alive. And I think that's super important in a game like this. And I think that you may see uh, a case where New England play that sort of defense where everyone's wandering around at the line of scrimmage and they try and confuse Mahomes by not making the reads easy. They're going to want him to, to go through full progressions before throwing the ball because I think the easiest way to stop all those other weapons is obviously to stop the quarterback. No, absolutely. I think just final sort of question from me on the game and then I suppose we can both get into our predictions that we both alluded to possibly shading with the Patriots just on that experience factor and the fact that, you know, you, you bet against them at your peril, but we'll get there in a moment. Just final question from me on the game itself. I've mentioned the conditions being different and obviously the, the scoring trend in the league has come down over recent weeks as we've got towards this business end. Do you see this being a high-scoring shootout? Do you see it being a more defensive battle? Um, will it be a simple case of whoever possesses the ball last, as was the case in the first game? I think this is it's a really interesting question, actually, and I think we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, I believe when teams play each other for a second or third time in the NFL, the game very rarely pans out the same way it did the first time. You know, I think if, if looking ahead slightly, if we were to end up with a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl, don't bet on 54-51 again, because that's not going to happen. It, that's more likely to be a 20 to 10 game. You know, I think it, it happens often in the NFL where you, you expect these games to, to repeat themselves and it just, just doesn't happen. So I think this will be a, a lower scoring affair. I think defenses will come to play, um, especially for New England. It's the, the Chiefs defense that worries me in the game. Yeah, I think that the Chiefs' defence has always been the worry, hasn't it? They've obviously got that high-powered offence, but it's, it is always the worry. I think, but like I so said, we've both alluded to it, mate, but just final um, word on the game, then get your score prediction. Or uh, bookies, <coughs> for what it's worth, have got the Chiefs as favourites by a field goal. So I, I, will, I will take the Patriots by a touchdown. I still have it a one-score game. I don't think it will be a blowout, but I think I would have the Patriots in a one-score game. Yeah, I'm struggling to disagree with it. Just out of you know keeping this podcast interesting, though, I will disagree with you. Let's go for the Chiefs in a in a one possession game. Uh, just so one of us can have bragging rights next week, mate. But uh, <laughs> it's the late game on Sunday. It's eleven forty, so obviously dedicated fans, get yourselves plenty of coffee or some Red Bull ready because it's going to be a late one. But hopefully, it'll be worthwhile staying up for. Um, it certainly has got all the makings of being an absolute classic um, and whoever does progress through will have rightly earned their place at the Super Bowl um, to obviously play the winner of the earlier game 
between the Saints and the Rams. So, Chris, we'll hand back over to you, mate. That's brilliant, lads. Now we'll go straight to recording uh, a preview between me and James from the UK Saints. Okay, so for this week's conference championship preview, I am joined by Mr. James Baker from the UK Saints podcast. James, the editor of Saints UK Hub, which is also his Twitter handle. Uh, truly a great follow for any Saints fan. James, how are you? And thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm very well, thanks, Chris. Very well. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Uh, it's uh, be good to talk some football. It will be. Um, we'll get into the Saints in a bit, but we're going to start with the Rams. Obviously, you'll want the Saints to win. Um, so with the Rams, I guess the true the true threat will be the combination of Goff and Gurley. Uh, I think Goff showed great ability in the pre in the playoff game last week to diagnose the defense at the line. Uh, but a lot of what the Rams did was really simple. So it was just run the ball down the throat and control the clock. And they played the Cowboys probably at their own game and perfected it. Um, it was To me, it felt like a bit of a different approach from the Rams, uh, who all year have been massively explosive, really, in all aspects. How much does their run game sort of come into a factor this week against, against the Saints? And... Do you feel that if they can do what they did against the Cowboys, is that their key to victory? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm more nervous about their run game now. We've lost Sheldon Rankins for the season with a torn Achilles. I mean, we during the regular season, we had the second best rush defence in the league. Um, and now we've lost Rankins. He played a big part in that run defense, you know, we haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher since November, 2015. I think I read somewhere. Um, but the Rams had two running backs who ran for a hundred yards each, almost in the first half against the Cowboys. I think yeah, it's quite, quite incredible. Isn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, they picked up CJ Anderson off the street, what, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think it was. And yeah, he, he's just yeah, running over amazing, people. But... <laughs> Imagine so, a situation you know, where you get picked off, picked off the street, and then three weeks later he's uh he's going over for hundred yards in a playoff game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's a fairy tale, and and you know, like I said, bef- before rankings got injured, I wouldn't have been worried about the run game. Now it is a concern. It is a concern. It's a, it's a big one. I think with Todd Gurley is as well, and almost he is an incredible player when he's fit. Uh, moving on to Jared Goff. How impressed have you been by Goff, not only this season, but last season? It's like sort of since his rookie year, he's been, he's come out of a shadow of it and seems to almost now be able to dictate games a bit. And the Rams offense is one of the best in the league alongside yourselves and the Chiefs. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the offense that the, um, or the way the Rams run their offense with Sean McVay, talking to Goff in his headset up until 15 seconds to go and then allowing Goff to kind of look at how the defense is set up and change the plays accordingly. It's pretty unique. I'm not sure of any other team that kind of go to that level of quarterback and head coach communication. Um, but it works, you know, to give Goff in his, what, his third season, to give him the responsibility to have have that time, 15 seconds 
to look at the defense and call his plays based on that, you know, check into his audibles, tell the line, the protection and stuff like that. It's seriously impressive. Uh, was he 23, 24? Yeah, he's, he's still still really young. Such a such a talent. I think part of me hopes that the Rams, when they run out of this cap space, they still manage to renew golf and they keep him for years and hopefully manage to build a team around him because I think he can be a really special talent for years to come. Obviously, that wasn't the plan with him on his rookie deal, but it'd be great to see him develop under McVeigh, who is a bit of a guru uh, and certainly like something that is exciting for the NFL. Um Moving on, we'll move on to the Saints, who I think we both want to win this week. So sorry, Rams fans. I'm Even as a neutral, I'm rooting for the Saints this week. They've been one of the most exciting teams in the NFL this year. And I've had great fun listening to the Saints UK podcast every week. Um, so, James, we both had Drew Brees as our MVP. Uh, you wrote a great article about it. Um, Sean Payton is also one of the best coaches in the NFL. In uh, our review podcast, uh, Previous to this, I said he had balls of steel. How That's an understatement. <laughs> it is, isn't it? How big of an impact do you think he has on that team weekly? And how big of a move was it to wheel in the Vince Lombardi trophy and to telecast and motivate players? <laughs> he, um, I think there's been quite a bit of negative press about the Saints this year and their cocky attitude and the dancing in the dressing room and... You know, the um, it all comes from the coach. It all comes from him. It starts with him. I mean, you, you've probably seen him trash-talking opponents on the field. He made the infamous choke sign to Devonta Freeman when they played the Falcons once. It came back to bite him because they lost the game anyway that day. But, you know, it all, it all starts with him. And I think he really does kind of lead that I mean, you, you lead the locker room. You see other teams. Bill Belichick, he is a is a genius. One of the probably go down as the best coach of all time. Not very many people like him, but he's not cocky and arrogant and won't be trash talking the opposition players. Whereas Peyton, I think, feeds off that, and I think the team feed off it as well because we're quite a young team. The, and they I almost think, like I think it, galvanize energy from it, don't they? Um, yeah, they almost like play play to his attitude and they take it onto the field I mean that defense this year has been highly impressive and it almost mirrors him and his attitude uh, yeah like from what I've from what I've seen anyway um so do the Saints win this week and what would your score prediction be um yes the Saints are going to win this week um I think I'm going to give you my score and then I'll give you the reason why I think it'll be. I think the Saints are going to win 35-17. That's my prediction. 35-17. 35-17. Yeah. I think... Quite a margin. It is, yeah. I mean, I think the spread at the moment is the Saints are favoured by three and a half. Um, So, so the you know, I mean, it's a championship game. The spread's never going to, never going to be huge. But I think, I think the big and important factor in this game, and it's something that, the Rams are going to have to deal with, particularly with the way they run their offense, is the noise in that stadium. I mean, I don't know if you could tell through the TV when you watched it on Sunday against the Eagles. It was loud. I mean, I I went there for a Saints-Falcons game on Christmas Eve last season, and I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about how what that noise and what that atmosphere was like. You know, there it's... were there were times when the Rams, sorry, the Eagles couldn't get 
plays called, you know, because Nick Foles couldn't hear the coach and then the line couldn't hear Nick Foles. If Goff is reliant on the play coming into his headset, he's going to struggle big time. No, it was it was really interesting like, against the Eagles when um, Marshall Latimore got that interception and then Peyton went on for that four, like called that fourth down. The crowd then got into it and that's like they were almost silenced for the first two sort of series in absolute stunned shock to think most of the NFL world was. But then the moment that interception happens, they go for it on fourth down, suddenly the crowd's in the game and you could see the Eagles had no answer. They were, I mean, as well as the momentum completely swinging, they were sort of lost in the atmosphere, despite being reigning Super Bowl champions and used to a hostile crowd themselves in Philly. Um, for a neutral, was this the best possible matchup across the NFC? I think the number one and the number two seed playing each other in the title game. Um, they've already played a game this season that finished 45-35. I think I think in the NFC this was the best outcome that you could get for the title game. It'll be it it, it won't be forty five thirty five because title games never are. It's too much tension and too much pressure. But you know, yeah, I think I think it uh, I think it was the best possible outcome. I would love a forty five thirty five. That would be great. Um, My so, heart wouldn't take that. <laughs> You'd be uh, going through the ringer all night, <laughs> just <laughs> a little bit, pacing up and down a lot. Uh, yeah. So finally, James, um, who would you want in the Super Bowl if the Saints can win this week? Um, I'm torn. Um, I've got a reason for wanting either game. Um, the Chiefs, I'd like to play the Chiefs because I think it's a pretty well-known fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP this year. I don't think you can argue that he should win it maybe I mean I know I put the article together and I said that Breeze should win the MVP but Mahomes this season has just been unreal so I'd like to see Breeze take Mahomes out but then on the flip side Breeze has been in one Super Bowl and beat Peyton Manning if he can get to another Super Bowl and beat Tom Brady that's a hell of a resume to have in Super Bowls that would almost cement his place in the Hall of Fame in my opinion he should already be going there but that would that would cement it. It, it brings him into the conversation him. for one of the best, you know, to put him in the top five quarterbacks of all time. I mean, like I probably would say he's there anyway, but that would cement him in the top five quarterbacks of all time. Uh, definitely. So, and he's had, either, either he's had some four teams as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he took, he took seven and he took teams that should have finished three and 13 to seven and nine, three years in a row. Nice. Highly impressive. Uh, James, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. For You can hear more from James on the Saints UK podcast, uh, which I believe you're recording shortly. So uh, yeah, recording later on. Yeah. Great listen. No, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Have a good day. Cheers. So a little bit different here now at All32. Instead of doing our normal article review, uh, we've decided we're going to take and answer a lot of questions from our brilliant listeners. Uh we have, we've got seven total questions to answer. A few of them are overlapping. Um, the first question, and these aren't in any chronological order, just in the way I have listed them. The first question, Vikings showing great intent uh, with the coaching hires and the latest back office appointments of Gary Kubiak. Is this putting a plaster over a bigger problem or will he do well? That was from Rob, who is a massive Vikings fan. 
Rob then says, as a Viking fan myself, I think this is a positive move for the team. A lot of great experience in there. But it's also a great high when we mean nothing if you don't strengthen the offensive line. Help protect Cousins and help get our run game going. Two great running backs with Cook and Murray fighting for you every yard they get. So, I think this is a really good hire. I think Kubiak coming out of retirement is perfect for the Vikings offense. I think it'll help establish a run game. They certainly do need to strengthen the offensive line, or as Rob has alluded to in his sort of answer to his own question, it will be for nothing. Um, Kubiak is a Super Bowl winning coach, though. Okay, he did that with Peyton Manning and on for Wade Phillips' defense. But he still managed to get that team to a Super Bowl and win it all. So he has the know-how. And I think maybe that's one part of the DNA the Vikings are missing at the moment is a bit of know-how when it comes to the playoffs. And again, there was a problem this year, but I think he can strengthen. Uh, Sean? Uh, Yeah, just possibly a bit of a counter-argument for me on that one. I almost think it could be a case of too many cooks spoil the broth with this one, I think. Kevin Stefanski was um, touted as a potential head coach. If you believe the reports, he was down to the final two for the Browns job. Um, he's obviously gone back to the Vikings when, again, again you know, only rumours, but he could have potentially had other coordinators' jobs. I just wonder how he feels now on the sidelines, thinking, well, I potentially was going to be a head coach, and now I've got somebody else sitting over me who potentially is going to take quite a bit of control on this offence. So that's the only thing for me that's a little bit of a worry. I think, you know, Kubiak's record speaks for itself. He's obviously, as you alluded to there, got a good record. Um, So for him as an individual, I wouldn't have a concern. I just wonder whether there's too many minds almost um, that are going to be all wanting something slightly differently. Um, You know, what you end up with then is, you know, contrasting views. it strikes me a little bit of this year's Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson, both offensive people that wanted their own thoughts and ideas implemented, and it caused a lot of tension. So it could be a really good hire. I just think there's a bit of a potential red flag to it that it, it could go the other way. See, I wasn't that impressed with the Vikings' offence down the line. So I think this is probably going to be a positive change. I don't think they, like, I don't know how like Stefan Kransky was really a hot commodity or not, or if it was more media names or playing him off because I didn't I didn't see that much in the Vikings offense towards the end of the year I didn't think much changed uh, so maybe what Rob's alluding to in the offensive line is the core shoot will be, be interesting to see how they address that in the draft and then go forward uh, our second question Sean I'm going to let you answer this one first uh, as Browns fans I got this on the UK Browns Twitter handle how pleased are you with the coaches that Freddie has brought in Monken and Wilkes look terrific hires and the positional coaches are getting a lot of praise that was from Tom. Sean, what do you reckon? Uh, so, for the listeners, you won't be able to see this, but I'm donning my new Baker Mayfield jersey this evening. That's how optimistic I am. It's the first jersey I've brought for years with an actual player on it, as opposed to my own name. Um, I'm very, very pleased, first and foremost, with the kitchen side. We talked about it last week. It broke while we were recording. Um, I think he's earned his opportunity, and absolutely fingers crossed for him. I think in terms of the staff that he's put around him, um, again, couldn't be more excited, if I'm honest, if you look at what potentially was out there. Um, I think Todd Munkin, Murph, hit me up on Twitter, mate. I'm really interested to find out a bit more about him. Um, Certainly from a statistical point of view, very, very exciting. One thing that the books didn't struggle with last year was moving the football. Um, And obviously with a more accurate 
passer that the Bruins have got. Um, you would like to think that those touch uh, interceptions would be kept down and the touchdowns increased. Um, so potentially that's extremely exciting on the offensive side of the ball. Um, defensively, I think Steve Wilkes had a really tough run of it this year in uh, Arizona. Um, certainly he was a hot hire coming into the season. Um, and if you look at his record with the Panthers defensively, very, very good um, ranking. I think he was seventh in total defence after being very mediocre the year before. Um, and a, a bit of a shout-out as well for the, the, the special teams coordinator who's had consistently good units with the Vikings. I know there's been some off-the-field stuff, which I'm not going to get into on here. But again, from a professional point of view, he's always coached really good units. Um, in terms of the support staff, you know, I can only go off what I read, I'd be lying if I said I had any great in-depth knowledge of them. You know, they do seem to be getting a lot of praise, but generally support staff tends to get quite a lot of praise. Um, you know, time will tell whether they pay uh, pay dividends or not. Um, it's one of the things that happens with any regime, cha- uh, regime change that, you know, a lot of these coaches come and go. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the three important ones, in terms of the coordinators, I think, again, Time will tell, but it looks like a bit of a home run that, that's been smashed out of the park there. Uh, so very, very pleased, very optimistic, um, and fingers crossed it all works out. Optimism springs eternal in Cleveland. Uh, Lee, we're now going to go on to you. We've got two questions from Antonio, um, who is a frequent listener, contributor to the site. Uh, where does Bortles' future sit, and will the Rams keep hold of their superstars next season. So let's start with, with the Bortles question. And I'm going to upset some people here. So everybody hold on. I think he's going to end up back in Jacksonville. I don't think, he goes, I don't, I don't think he goes anywhere because if, if they go into the draft, they should draft a quarterback without a doubt. I've got no, you know, I, I'm not saying Blake Bortles is a good quarterback, but I think if you draft a quarterback, you also need someone with starting experience behind him. So why not just keep the guy that's been there? The grass isn't always greener. We, we've seen this too many times with people. Are the Vikings way better off with Kirk Cousins than they were with Case Keenum? It's debatable. There's not a lot in it. So I think he actually stays there, but as a backup, I believe they draft one and they, they move on that way. I think... Um, that's the way forward for that that franchise because the the quarterbacks who will be available this year, um, who are already in the league, they're not necessarily great. I don't know if any of us would want a Joe Flacco. He'll be he'll become a hot name in the next couple of weeks for teams that want one. You know, it'll be rumored a lot, but you know, it's a bit of a sideways move. He's not great. Um, Eli Manning. I mean, there's obviously the Tom Coughlin connection, but. Giants fans certainly want rid of him, so would, would Jacksonville fans want him? So I think they actually go via the draft, and I think they end up keeping Bortles as a backup. And then no, with the interesting, you go. And then for the second question, I think it's also a really interesting question, um, and could be quite an in-depth conversation. But to answer it kind of quickly. I think the, whether they keep their superstars next year or not, the Rams, very much depends on how this season ends. I think if they win the Super Bowl, you'll see a lot of people walking out the door because they will be chasing money. And 
We see it every year with a Super Bowl winning team. There are players on that team who will get paid mega money to go somewhere because they've just come off a Super Bowl win, not necessarily because it's it's their actual value, um, and they get paid it to go to a team that maybe aren't as good and need a, a kind of influx of excitement. Um, it, it happens every single year. So I think if they actually go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, they lose more players than if they get knocked out. Um, I think a good example of this is, is a guy like Nandoba Kinsu because he is a bit of a mercenary. He's going to, he it's well established and he he's happy to admit to he's going to go where, where he gets paid the most money. He, his, his intention is to make the most amount of money while he can, which is great. I mean, I've got no problem with him because he's up front and says it. So, you know, I don't actually have a problem with that, but I think that way someone like him, he, sorry, someone like him looks to move on. Um, I think it, no matter what happens, they've got a great a great nucleus of players under contract, Gurley, Goff, and Aaron Donald. And the, the secondary is great. And all the time they can keep that coaching staff together, they're going to be great because a Wade Phillips coach defense is going to be good no matter what you give him. He's going to get the best out of it. And Sean McVay is obviously an exciting young mind. So I think it very much depends on how this season finishes for them. If they get knocked out this week, I think it's easy to convince <laughs> to come back on a team-friendly deal because we're chasing a Super Bowl in the, in the, the very near future. Short deals worth, you know, that uh, actually favour the team because players want to win the Super Bowl and move on from there. No, so nicely linking on to that, I guess. Um, Jamie Noden has asked, uh, the top three agents likely to be on the market this year and our thoughts on Kyler Murray. We'll get to Kyler Murray in a, in a bit, but it's nicely sort of linked with another question we've had uh, from Matt on Twitter. Um, where do we think Foles will end up? And what running backs might be available in Ravens this offseason? Uh, Sean, I'm going to give this one to you. Uh, so who are the top three agents? Where do you think Foles will end up? And uh, what running backs might be available in this offseason? And let's, for example, exclude Lev Bell because we all know he's going to be there. Um, so I think the, we'll start with the, the Nick Foles one because obviously he's not technically a free agent. He's obviously got a expensive contract if the if the Eagles decide to retain him. Um, there's obviously a lot of teams that would give anything for one good quarterback, so it's quite interesting the Eagles have got the problem with what you do with two of them. Um, but it is a decision that it appears as though they have made today. I think Doug Peterson has come out and said it's going to be Carson Wentz moving forward. Now, whether you agree or disagree with that, that, that seems to be the way that they're going. Um, I, I think in terms of Nick Foles, there's a couple of obvious landing spots or potential landing spots, which would be Jacksonville, as we've mentioned last week. Um, myself and Lee have talked about the potential of it, you know, it being Miami again, not as a potential long-term solution, more as a stopgap. I think one for me that I think would be a good move, and again, we've discussed on here around having a decent roster in place, is the Giants. I think it's a big upgrade over Eli. Um, so I think that one is one that could potentially make sense. If you're looking around at other teams in the league that potentially could pull the trigger, I think Foles is an upgrade on a number of teams in terms of their starting quarterback. Um, I just think there's not many situations that jump off the page and say, this is likely to happen. You know, So I'll take the Bengals as an obvious one. I think Nick Foles is an upgrade over Andy Dalton. Do I think the Bengals pull that move? I don't think there's a chance that that move happens. So I think realistically, Jacksonville, Miami, New York, Giants potentially would be the three to look for for Foles. 
Um, in terms of free agents, uh, so the list is a mile long, mate, to be honest, so I'm not going to read them all out. What I'll say is I'll put something onto Twitter just to give people my views on the best players by position, but just a couple of names to call out. You know, generally teams will be looking for skilled player positions. So uh, Golden Tate, potentially wide receiver, traded to the Eagles in the season, could be on the move again. I think he's still got something left in the tank, personally. Um, defensive line and Dominic and Sue from the Rams. I know Lee's talked about that the Rams team staying together, but Sue is going to want pain. Um, he's still obviously a bit of a beast up front. Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys um, playing on the franchise tag this year. Cowboys got a decision as to whether they pay him or not this off-season. Um, and the final one for me, just to call out, because teams are always looking for them. If you're looking for a quarterback, potentially Teddy Bridgewater has backed up Drew Brees this year. He looked good in pre-season. It's the first time he's, he's really seen any action since his serious knee injury. Wouldn't be surprised to see teams take a flyer there. But like I say, I'll get something up on Twitter because there is a list of hundreds and hundreds of players as there is each and every year. Uh, so hopefully if your team's looking for somebody, there'll be somebody on that list that will improve you. It's cool. I mean, you missed out on punters, but we'll let you off this time. Punters are people too. I'll put it on Twitter, man. Don't you worry. So, quick thoughts on Kyler Murray. Lee, I know you're a fellow watcher of the college game. Um, how would you summarise Kyler Murray's draft stock in a few words? I think it's super interesting. I think he is a super hot prospect. People want him. People want him to be in the NFL. And I think there will be a number of teams who are very wary of the indecision Um that surrounds him and is he fully committed to football because this is everything at the moment seems to just be solely evolving around the money and that's not worked out well for teams in the past no a greedy quarterback isn't what anybody wants you want a man who puts things first uh, just on his general play I think he was highly impressive from in that Oklahoma system is obviously very quarterback friendly um, can't quite throw as far as Baker Mayfield and I think that showed in that system but he his decision making was highly impressive throughout the year and a worthy worthy second or third round pick in my opinion. I think he'll probably go in the first though. Some team will quarterback need team will pull trigger. Um, we're going to quick answer to this next question. Uh, this to uh, all three of us. This is also from Matt on Twitter. Who do you think are the best out of the new coaches across the league? So I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with Bruce Arians from the Bucks. Lee, who do you reckon? Bruce Arians from the Bucks, no doubt. Sean, Freddie Kitchens. Yes, Sean. <laughs> Cooking. Uh, right now, we're going to move on to our final question, and this is from a new fan to the NFL. Uh, so Matt, thank you very much for your questions. Um, so Lee, I'm going to let you take the first of these. How are so Matt asks, how are the NFL teams split? Are they split into regions? So the conferences and divisions. So no, they're not split into into regions. And I would love to say I fully understand how they're split, but I don't. So, yeah. History is defined a lot of them. Um, generally, you'll get teams that are fairly close geographically, but not all the time. So... I guess one example is the AFC East. You have a team from Boston in the Northeast, Miami in the the Southeast. Um, the New York Jets are in that division. That's another Northeast team. And the Buffalo Bills are also, could be argued to be in the Northeast. 
of the country or near or not far off the coastline. So Miami's a bit of a red herring in that division, but generally they tend to try and be getting close together. I guess another division to look at would be the NFC North, where all four teams are sort of Midwest, but North America teams. So all four within a few hours driving of each other. So they do try and group them where, where they can. Um, there's always a few anomalies to that. Uh, the next question, which I thought was quite a good one, um, and I guess is a noticeable difference on TV broadcasts, is do away fans travel? Um, Sean, do you want to take this one? Yeah, so I think some fan bases, same with, with you know English football, some fan bases will travel more than others. Um, obviously, the, the teams that travel um, to LA, you, you, you've probably heard the Cowboys fans in LA um, quite loud this weekend. Um, obviously, LA is a big market for travelling fans. Um, it really does depend on the market that the team is travelling to, to be fair. Um, so, like you said, some of those mid-west teams you're not going to get a lot of people traveling over there because you would only be going over there for the football game for argument's sake um one thing that is always i think a real testament to the fan base is is when the international games happen um you do get a lot of fans that make the journey over the pond and come and experience the game in london um so there are some real passionate fans there um, we talked earlier in the week around home field advantage it is a big advantage because obviously America, you know, probably 50, 60, 70 times bigger than the UK. Um, so naturally it is more difficult for fans to travel around. Um, but simple answer is yes, fans do. Um, it, it is a massive, massive market out there. Lou? I think it's, it's interesting, especially where the games are being played as a, as a fan who's been to Miami numerous times, uh, mm. I'm sure, as, as a lot of people know, a lot of Americans don't actually travel outside the continental US. So for a lot of Miami home games, you get people who are having their holiday for the year. They'll go and stay in Miami for the week and see the game. So it, it creates quite an interesting atmosphere. Um, I know they've done some things to try and, and make it a more home-friendly ground, but there's a lot of things to do, and they struggle to get people to come in early. So you do see some very lopsided crowds in Miami, certainly. That's interesting. Kind of nicely, I guess, linked onto our final final question talking about crowds. Uh, so also from Matt, who is our new fan to the NFL. Um, how are the international games dealt with from a season ticket point of view? Uh, so like if your team goes abroad, uh, how is that dealt with? So just hearing this from a Browns point of view, last year season ticket holders were offered uh, reduced flights in terms of cost and a free ticket to the game. Um, so the NFL did all it could to sort of project a positive image and invite fans to come over. And I know a lot of fans from America do. I think that day, 30,000 for the Vikings, the Browns, was the quoted number of Americans in the stadium. Um, I don't know how other teams approach it or if it's just an NFL policy, Lee. I know when the, the few times Miami have been over that, Again, the fans get a reduced rate on their season ticket. They pay for, obviously, um, one game less. And then they um, have a certain number of tickets set aside where they're able to purchase those as a package where it includes flights and whatever, hotel stay. So they do the most they can to bring those that want to come over. And then those tickets, that's why you get some of the uh, tickets released late over here because it's the ones that are 
pulled uh, that don't get sold by the home team or the you know the traveling team sorry no that's great um i guess it kind of shows why the, the nfl is great for london and the uk as a whole as well if you could attract that many fans across from america to watch a sports game and fulfill a trip of a lifetime to london that has to be great for us here not only as fans but just to show off our own country uh, guys, that will nicely do us for this week. Some brilliant questions, and we would love more in advance for next week. Uh, I don't think I've missed anyone's there. Uh, Sean, where can everyone find you on social media and get in contact with me? Yeah, so on Twitter, guys, all 32, Sean. Look forward to debating some football. Hope everybody enjoys the games this weekend, and if your team are involved, I hope they win, unless you're a Patriots fan. And Lee. I'm on Twitter at all32lee. And again, I'd be happy to see the Patriots get beat. No complaint here. Um, let's just have a great weekend of football and do this again next week. Cool. Uh, just be different. I hope the Patriots win. I'm going to cause a stir there. Look at their faces. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for the Patriots fans occasionally. Um, you can follow myself on all 32 chris or on the all 32 uk handle which is the main one from the site and where all of our articles and podcasts are posted uh a great night actually on articles it'd be great to have more fans submit articles on their favorite teams or their favorite subjects especially as we reach the off season it'd be great to get a few season reviews um thank you for listening to the podcast